So what if you could only get a paper plate that Christian Bale ate off of in The Dark Knight <laughs> or nothing? Oh, from the craft services department? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's better than nothing. Nothing or... Yeah. Something from the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes, in a tangential sort of way. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it's better than nothing. It's another Bat Fans Without Pants podcast. This is episode number three. Uh, <laughs> 33. But this is um, our first episode, I mean, our third episode with our new name, Bat Fans Without Pants. And what's our slogan, uh, Terrence? Well, we're the least listened to Batman podcast, so our slogan is, if you're listening to a Batman podcast, it's probably not us. So. Yep. There it is. There it is. But uh, we have Tim with us. Tim, how's Hello. it hanging? I'm hanging. <laughs> I don't know what I'm hanging, hanging on to, but I'm just hanging. No pants and it's hanging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope oh, you're talking God. about a lightsaber, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we also have Terrence with us. Terrence. How's it going, man? It's going good. I, I've been late to the last two podcasts, so this time I was early. I was two hours early, in fact, which was just because I had the wrong time. But I'm here at the start. I kind of like last week because since I missed the beginning, I, it was kind of nice to hear you guys talking about some stuff which I hadn't heard before. I was like, oh, this is cool. And Dane had mentioned how he hates on uh, podcasts when the um, hosts talk about what they're drinking. So just to tick Dane off. I want to let him know I'm I got a big can of diet Mr. Pib right here. No. <laughs> I'm not really I'm not really drinking diet Mr. Pib, but if you watch The Simpsons you'll get that joke. So Yeah, right. And we also have Hey Rob, who's Ellen? Is that your wife? Yes, yes it is. Oh. I almost said uh Ellen, that's right. <laughs> but we have uh we have Rob from the point five cast. Uh hey. he's here to give his thoughts. And let us know how he feels about life and uh, his tribu- his trials and tribulations. So, uh, Rob, why don't you tell us about those? Uh, life is great, and I'm tribulation-free at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was just going to say, Terrence, I'm drinking the better version of what you are. I'm actually drinking Diet Dr. Pepper. Ah, cool. Uh (laughs) Well, I'm actually really drinking green tea with lemon because I'm (laughs) trying to quit soda, but, you know. And I'm really drinking Diet Dr. Pepper, so. (laughs) Okay, yeah. (laughs) And Dane is furious now. (laughs) I guess I'll just mention I'm just having some plain old Aquafina water in a bottle. (laughs) Okay. You're so boring, Tim. (laughs) Uh, But, Tim, speaking of you and your life... How is your life, by the way? Is it is it good or good? But super, super busy. Super, super busy. That's it's either a good thing or it's a bad thing. It's either you're making a lot of money or you're, I don't know, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Like it's either bad or it's bad, I guess. It's in the middle. <laughs> it's in the middle. Well, it's better than being on rock bottom, I guess, right? Exactly. I did want to comment on something that I heard on uh, the last episode you guys did. Um, I didn't know that there was a bass player in the podcast, and I guess tonight the rhythm section is complete because I am a drummer. Ah, nice. <laughs> cool. So. Dane and Terrence, you guys got to learn guitar so we can start a band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, if you ever see the, the movie uh, Trekkies Part 2, uh, they have, like, all these Star Trek tribute bands. So we should start a Batman uh <laughs> Tribute yeah, band. My favorite was like the thrash metal Klingon tribute band. They, <laughs> but yeah. And then they had this other one that was pretty good cool, called No Kill Eye that was really cool. So that, that's, that's a niche that we could fill. We could do covers of a Prince's soundtrack from the 89. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Only if you'll dress up in the half Batman, half Joker Prince costume. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll make the sacrifice. Yeah. What's sad is I actually had that. You know, I think it was a cassette tape when it came out, and you still listen to it all the time. Same here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I only got it because it was, it was like it was a yellow cassette with the Batman logo on it. Like so I had to get it. Yeah. Not caring yeah. what the music was inside and what you yeah. put it on. Yeah, that was hugely popular. That that video played constantly on yeah. MTV that summer. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is called the Bat Dance, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Stupid video. <laughs> Yeah, it had all these sound clips from the movie and everything, so, yeah. And I, what I thought was funny about that, that he was lip-syncing the sound clips at some point during the video. I thought, oh, cool, it'll be like, you know, a montage video. It's like, no, it's just Prince melting. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Vicky Vale. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to see Kim Basinger, let's say, you know. Yeah. Why would anyone want to look at her? Let's just look at Prince, Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's funny you bring up that uh, Prince album. That's actually how I found the Batman universe. Really? I was, uh, I was, yeah, I was looking for the soundtrack because I, I had never heard heard it at that point. And um, yeah, I was, I just typed in Batman because I think the album is called Batman. Yeah, and I was like, hey, what are these podcast things? And I clicked on it and I scrolled down. And embarrassingly enough, that's how I found the Batman universe. But Enough about Prince. What's wrong with you guys, man? <laughs> this is a this is a manly podcast. Um, but Tim, why don't you give us our manly topic for this for this uh, episode? Yes, we'll do. <laughs> it seems like the last three episodes has mainly been like, Superman topics or Justice League topics. But now that Man of Steel's out, we're kind of done with Superman now. So we're getting back to the good old Batman topics. Yeah. So for this Finally. episode, yeah, I know you've been, not been killing you, Dane. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, for this episode, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite Batman characters who are either heroes or villains, but not necessarily, like, costumed hero or villains. Some of, like, the side characters, but who are just as important as some of the main hero characters, like Gordon, Alfred, Bullock, those type of characters. So um, I guess we'll go ahead and start off with, uh, with you, Rob. Who's one of your favorite side characters in the Batman world who's not really a costume hero? Um, a kind of an unspoken hero. Um Harold Allnut, the, uh, uh, I always wanted to call him the hunchback of Notre Dame, <laughs> the, uh, the mechanic that, uh, kind of came around, uh, basically during Nightfall, um, maybe just a little bit earlier than that. Um, I got some notes here. His first appearance was the question number 33 in 1989. His first Batman appearance was Batman number 448. Um, I always just kind of liked, uh, 
Harold as a character, I mean, he didn't really speak till towards the very end of his comic book life. Um, and I, I just like that it was somebody other than um, Batman and Alfred. It kind of always reminds me of uh, Batman Returns and uh, Batman Forever, where uh, Bruce is like, you know, telling Dick, well, you know, Alfred's actually a pretty good mechanic, you know. I'm like, really? You're, <laughs> we're going with Alfred uh, repairing the Batmobile and kind of making all these things. So at least in the comic book universe, when uh, Batman kind of rescued him from the Penguin and kind of brought him in to the fold, I guess it were, that it was a little more plausible that, you know, I could imagine Bruce, you know, building, you know, things, but Harold really kind of, you know, lent, lent himself to be able to build things more, and he is actually giving credit in the comics to creating Nightwing's uh, now classic blue and black uh, Nightwing um, outfit. And that first came in Nightwing uh, number uh, two um, of the, you know, first volume, right after the uh, Prodigal storyline. And that was just, I like that moment between um, Nightwing and uh, Howard Wild Dick, when Dick says, you know, I've, you know, basically retired being a Nightwing and I've retired being Batman, so now what? And Alfred says, well, you know, our good friend Harold here has something he's been working specially on and uh, hands him the uh, blue and black Nightwing outfit. So I, I just kind of liked that uh, portion of Alfred kind of, you know, I wanted to say, you know, Commissioner Gordon or Bullock, but I kind of like the unsung, you know, hero in Howard, so, or Harold, excuse me. It goes out. Were you happy how his story ended in the comics? What happened in Hush and all that? <laughs> no, I no, I wasn't. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> that's uh, that's how he's going out. But I did like uh, the connection that you know Bruce ends up not connection, but Bruce kind of has this you know forgives uh, Harold for you know kind of kind of sort of betraying him um, and uh, ends up burying him, uh, kind of like facing Wayne Manor, um, the only other people to be buried on the grounds other than his parents, which I thought was kind of a a sweet touch to the character. So yeah, I wonder if they'll ever reintroduce him into the new Fifty Two. I I think that'd be kind of cool. I, it would be kind of interesting to think maybe during the zero year to maybe see something like that. But yeah, he'll probably show up before Stephanie Brown or Cassandra Cain, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and Jim Lee so, will redesign him with the high collar on his work clothes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I know that was an oddball choice, but I, I just kind of always had this, you know, sweet spot for Harold, so. Yeah, that was cool. How about you, Terrence? Actually, I was going to say Harold, so you beat me to it. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> He's more popular I, than we thought. It is. Well, you know, he was a big part of it when I was, like, re- like getting into the comics and reading them a, a lot and when I was younger and, and more impressionable. Um, but I like that um, – the aspect of you can't imagine Batman kind of doing all these things and then yet having time to build Batmobiles and, you know, the computer and all that. But Harold was like a cool way to kind of have, as you said, a plausible way of someone's down there building all this stuff and making all these gadgets. And the way the character was that he was kind of like this, you know, genius with machines and and engines and technology, but yet, didn't speak and was kind of a Quasimodo kind of guy. You would imagine that he would just be happy in the Batcave working on stuff his whole life and it wasn't going to like get into a fight with Bruce about, I want the weekend off and I got to take my girlfriend to the Gotham Knights game or something. Like, he was just like, just give me the tools and I'll be happy. Um, so I'm going to go, um, since he's off the table and I hated the way he died, by the way. Um, yeah. 
I'll go with um, Dr. Leslie Tompkins. Um, I, I always kind of liked her, especially in the animated series. Um, once again, you know, they give Alfred a little. Somehow Alfred can repair engines and has incredible medical knowledge of a doctor for, for Bruce. Uh, so it's kind of cool to have some kind of medical um, connection other than just Alfred cures everything. Um, and I also liked her because she's kind of a, in a lot of the stories, a connection to his parents. Uh, some of the stories I've read or, or they've done it that she kind of worked with his father or his father as a doctor was helping her clinic. And so it's a, it's a good connection. Um, and she, she works best when she knows what Bruce is doing, approves of it and is trying to help him. Sometimes they use her as like the voice to try to say, stop doing this. And I think that kind of fails too. Um, and I'm sure some of you guys will probably talk a little more about it, but the whole GCPD, the whole Gotham City Police Department with Bullock and Montoya and, and um, the Commissioner Gordon um, are a great supporting cast um, around Batman in good and bad ways sometimes. So, but I'll go with the doctor to start us off. Yeah, and it's like we're going down this road where we're each taking – or characters before the person gets to talk about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh we've got to choose Leslie Tompkins. <laughs> to take Danes, yeah. <laughs> but just for more on her, I just think she's probably the most underused characters who's most important in Bruce's life because everyone usually thinks that Alfred is like Bruce's surrogate father, but uh, Leslie Tompkins really was, I would think, his like surrogate mother because in certain stories and in the comics and then in the animated series, she was like the first one on the scene to kind of like take care of him and like comfort him during the, that night his parents were killed. And then I just love the fact, too, in the animated series in the episode Appointment in Crime Alley where she's the one who goes with Batman to the spot where his parents were murdered. That's like their yearly tradition that they do. I just love that. Batman trusts her with his secret, and she kind of respects what he, why he does this. And that I just think it works really good how he goes that night with her to honor his parents' murder. I mean, he doesn't do it with Alfred, probably because... One, you don't want to probably expose his identity. People know who Alfred is. And two, I just think it's like something only him and Leslie share where they were both at that crime scene when it happened. So that's like part of the relationship I really like about him that they have. And then like you were saying, Terrence, too, it's like a nice connection to his parents, too, that where she was a doctor just like and was a friend with Thomas Wayne. And so she does have that reason to care for Bruce, too, because she probably does treat him as part of, as part of the family. And I don't know. This probably didn't sit well for everyone, but during the end of the War Games storyline where it was revealed that she allowed Stephanie Brown to die, but then it ended up not being the case. But there's that whole sequence, which I really liked, actually, where Batman knows what she did. He confronts her. There's, like, some part of Africa where she's like just, like, operating in, like, these tents. Then he calls her out on it and just says, like, don't you ever work or show your face in Gotham again or anything like that. And you just really tell that that was hurting Batman, but this person who was pretty much just like his mother has kind of betrayed him. And I just thought it was kind of good to have some type of fallout with one of the, like, Bruce's important allies that he's had. Like, it probably wouldn't work with Alfred and other characters like Dick or Tim and the Robins to kind of betray him. But to have someone who just didn't agree with what he was doing at that time, I thought could have made for some interesting future story topics later on if they were to confront each other again. But when everything got changed, like with the New 52 and then, it was revealed that it was never that Stephanie Brown never died, so it didn't really add up to anything. I think that it could have been, but I thought it was definitely an interesting place to take the character, just to show that 
what Bruce is doing isn't really right, putting it, like these kids in danger, and she had she kind of had to show him the consequences of his actions. So, but yeah, she's definitely up there. I think she's vastly underused in the Batman universe, both in the comics right now, and then I'm hoping this, she shows up in one of the movies eventually. I thought it would have been great if she was in the Nolan movies, but I know they're going to use everybody. But I think she's a character who needs to be used more because she's that important to Bruce's life, I think. But Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the uh, War Games. Um, I've just been – I finally have completed my whole War Games collection, and I really like that twist in her where – I mean, you just said it yourself that – to teach Bruce a lesson, basically. You're putting these kids in harm's way, and that whole flip of, you know, his confidant that he's had for a very long time, like you said, a mother just basically, you know, back, backhanded slapped him and said, yeah. oh, basically, I'm, I'm going to teach you a lesson. So, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I didn't remember reading about anything that they ever had an encounter after that when it was revealed that Stephanie wasn't dead and before the whole New 52 thing. Did that ever get resolved between them? I don't think so. I think maybe in Stephanie Brown's first issue of Batgirl, Bruce tried to talk to or Bruce Stephanie tried to talk to Bruce about it, and he basically just you know, like shut her down. Didn't want to didn't want to hear about it, and that was pretty much. I think it was just one panel of issue one or issue two of Stephanie's run on Batgirl. Okay, and another character. Have you guys ever heard of a character named Harvey Harris? No. Yeah, no. he's actually he's pretty minor, but. In, like, before the whole pre-crisis on Infinite Earth uh, continuity, it's where uh, he was actually the first detective who kind of took a young Bruce Wayne under his, ring, under his wing and kind of trained him to how to be a detective, which I thought was pretty cool because you know how he gets his ninja training, his, like, uh, escape artist training, and the different training methods that he gets, but very rarely do we see how he, like, trained became, to become a, the world's greatest detective. And then one of my favorite stories, which I always bring up from time to time, the Untold Legend of the Batman, where it recounts Bruce's origin. That was part of the, like, his first step as becoming Batman was as a teenager, he sought out this uh, detective in Gotham named Harvey Harris, who's, like, the best detective there. And he saves his life, and in uh, return, he decides, yeah, okay, I'll take you on as my pupil. I'll show you the ropes and everything. And it was actually Bruce was dressed up as Robin in that uh, timeline. So he was actually Robin first before he was Batman. He had that costume and that's how we worked with the detective Harvey Harris. So it's a character who didn't really have that much storyline like any other stories where he showed up in, but he's kind of a character I hope maybe will show up in Zero Year, maybe in a flashback sequence where uh, Bruce gets part of his training and to learn how to become a detective. Because Snyder is bringing in these old characters who we haven't seen in a while from like these old Batman stories before Crisis on Infinite Earths, like his Uncle Philip, who we haven't seen in years. So I'm hoping he's another character who shows up. I think he has potential to be someone who's pretty integral to Bruce's training to becoming Batman. Yeah, wow, you really picked an obscure character. Yeah. According yeah. to this, he's only Harvey Harris has only appeared in two issues of Batman. Then uh, Detective Comics um, 226, which was the Untold Legends of the Batman, which you mentioned, yeah. and... One of the detective comic annuals, which I'm not sure which one that is, um, and that's it. So, yeah, good, good call. Issue number one, the, detec- uh, the, the very first detective annual, which is 1988. I'll have to go dig that up to see what else he did in that story. Yeah. But how about you, Dan? What's your, who's your favorite character? Well, you just took Harvey Harris. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I thought I stole that one. Um,. You know, I'm going to keep this short because I don't want to sound repetitive and boring all the time, but um, 
the colonel from uh, from Batwoman or or Kate's dad because I mean he he doesn't seem like a bad guy. He, I mean he doesn't really seem like a bad guy. I mean yeah he kept you know the fact that uh, Elizabeth was still alive from from Kate, but I mean after reading the zero issue we got last year, I mean I, I have a hard time seeing him as a bad guy as the one that's wrong and i'm starting to see kate as the one one that has the problem i mean i I don't understand what her problem is because i mean the colonel was there for her when she um or when her her mom and her sister died and you know when she came out at west point and uh you know starting her batwoman career and it's just like this one little thing that screwed it up i guess i mean yeah, it's a big thing, but I, I, I guess Kate just has no forgiveness in her heart. <laughs> um, so, yeah, probably the colonel. Cool, so we all kind of chose not the obvious choice, <laughs> which is, I think this goes to show you how there's so many other great characters in the Batman universe besides just, you know, like Batman, Robin, Nightwing, and all the costume heroes. But since we didn't really pick, like, Gordon or Alfred, who do you guys think works better as far as in the storyline of Batman do you like him more when he's interacting with Commissioner Gordon and their relationship or Bruce and Batman with Alfred and that relationship? Which one do you enjoy reading more between those two characters? I'll say that, you know, in the comics, I I don't get that that the sense that Alfred and Bruce work well together or, you know, bounce off each other really well. Because, I mean, just going off of memory, I can't really think of an example of that. Um, maybe I'm just blanking, but I, I can't really think of a, an example. But, you know, for a business relationship kind of thing, it's it's got to be Gordon. Yeah, I kind of know what you're saying about that with Bruce and Alfred in the comics, because some of my favorite Bruce and uh, Alfred interactions is from, like, the animated series and the Nolan movies. So that's kind of where you get that father-son relationship more, I find. Yeah, yeah. When you said that, I automatically thought about, you know, Michael Caine and Christian Bale in uh, the Nolan Batman movies. But as for comics, I mean, I can't really recall any poignant scenes between between the two. I mean, it's not, it's always like Alfred to say something and Bruce will ignore him, you know? And plus, too, um, in the New 52 even, yeah, I like how Alfred's storyline, because there's different versions where he's there from – with the Waynes from Bruce's birth. Like, he's been the family butler before he was born. And I like the fact that he was there when Bruce was born, and he helped pretty much raise him. But in certain comic stories, he wasn't there always there from the beginning. I know in the same Until Legend of the Batman storyline, he actually doesn't show up till Bruce and Dick are, and Batman and Robin are ready. And he shows up to the door going to be their butler. So he finds their secret out accidentally, really. So I don't think that story aspect of the character works well when, instead of the one where he has been there from the beginning and he's been there with Bruce since he was a baby. That's the much more uh, compelling story, I think. It's hopefully, I wish the one that they would use all the time. You know, I, I like both of them, uh, but they're different. To me, Alfred with Bruce is like a father-son relationship and then Alfred, I'm sorry, Bruce and Gordon are like partners, you know, almost like two cops, you know, uh, working side by side to some extent. Uh, so it's more of, uh, you know, like this. So I like Gordon when he's written a little bit uh, younger, not when they make him this old, old guy. Um, but the Alfred, I, I always liked Alfred because I think watching 
the show, the 60s show with Adam West as a kid was the first time I'd ever like really heard or knew what a butler was. And uh, I thought it was cool. I wanted one. I'm like, that's, that's cool. I, I need one of those, you know. And um, so uh, and I, I, I have to say, Dane was saying he doesn't know any, any uh, good scenes. I thought the stuff that Grant Morrison wrote in Batman and Robin, um, where Dick Grayson was Batman, had a lot of really good Alfred stuff because Dick was kind of unsure of himself. And, you know, Dick had known Alfred since he was a little boy. Uh, so he was kind of turning to him a lot more. Plus, they were both dealing with what they thought was Bruce's death. And they were trying to deal with Damien uh, and his attitude and calling him Pennyworth and, and thinking he was much better than Grayson. Uh, and so there, I thought there were some really good Alfred, Dick Grayson, Batman scenes there. But the um, definitely the Batman, Bruce, I think the writers kind of fall back on the cliche of Alfred going, oh, no, please don't. You've gone too far. And Bruce saying, shut up. I, I can do this, you know, and um, leaving it at that. I've always kind of, uh, I like the, I guess if we're looking at Batman, um, I, I'm trying to use uh, words here, <laughs> 11, um, <laughs> with uh, Gordon and Batman, I just like the whole, like you said, the buddy cop uh, type of feel that it's, you know, straight to the business, straight to the chase type thing. And then you have a relationship with Batman and Alfred, like you were saying, Terrence, kind of, no, don't, you know, you, you don't realize what you're doing. And then you have a relationship with Bruce and Alfred that is more, like you were saying, the father and son, that Alfred kind of has to juggle which hat he has to wear around Bruce. Is it the Bruce Wayne persona or is it the Batman persona? And I'm really kind of hoping with the zero year that we'll get some nice flushed out moments of Bruce wanting to become Batman and where where that line is. Are we going to you know see Alfred try and steer him away from that, or is he going to you know be trying to steer him towards it? So I think we probably could get those stories of the Bruce and Alfred relationship that are you know, more heartfelt than the, oh, please stop, you're <laughs> you're going too far type of deal. So I I, I kind of like both the, the Gordon relationship and the Alfred, but the Alfred, like I said, to me at least, feel like he has to wear two hats around Bruce. And speaking of deaths before with Harold, um, Alfred's death in The Dark Knight Returns, something about that was chilling. I mean, I read that young, and I, I think I mentioned before, in another podcast, I read it when I was naive enough to think, like, this is the future and this is how it will be. But there was something about Alfred standing in front of Wayne Manor and blowing it up. And then he's just sort of laying there in the snow. And then you find out later on that, you know, um, he died from the heart attack on the news. It was like, I don't know, something about that just always stuck with me the way uh, Frank Miller did that. Yeah, I found that real uh, heart-wrenching. Even, uh, I have a confession, I watched the movie before I have ever read the comic book mm -hmm. um, and never picked it up, never had any interest in picking it up. And it was never into like future Batman stories because I thought, Oh, it's, it's never going to happen. But I've since, you know, picked it up and read it and uh, reading it. I thought Alfred's not supposed to die alone. You know, Alfred's been with Bruce at his absolute worst and has probably brought him, brought him back to death from death so many times and that here's Alfred in the rubble of Wayne Manor dying and nobody's around to help Alfred. That, like you said, it, it that is stuck, you know, with me, even just, you know, recently. Yeah, especially that, like, sequence right before, too, in the movie, 
where uh, he's like looking, like he looks at a photo album and he sees it's like an old like young picture of the Waynes and Bruce, and like that's the last thing he sees. And he goes out, turns off the light, and that's it. Yeah, that was good how they did that. Yeah. Yeah, and just to go back to the whole uh, Gordon and Batman relationship, uh, I agree with you guys what you said how the whole buddy cop thing works real good. And then of course I was. The Bat in the like Tim Burton Batman movies, that was something that was definitely missing from those like Batman Gordon dynamic that they had. I mean, they barely even talked to each other or spoke to each other in those movies. But yeah, that's ended up being one of the best parts in Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. Dark Knight Rises, not too much because Gordon was mainly in the hospital, didn't have that much to do. But especially in The Dark Knight, I felt in Batman Begins, I mean, they just nailed that relationship that they have perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like I said, so even though in the comics, I would say. It does a pretty great job of doing that, but I think I'd probably have to go with the Nolan trilogy as far as being uh, just probably my favorite interpretation of those two characters and their dynamic. I just thought he nailed it and what it should be. Just really great job. Yeah, I mean, they I had that too in the animated yeah. series, but not too much in action. Like they didn't work together like out in the field too much. It was usually just Bruce on top of the Gotham uh, Police Department or Gordon's office. They rarely ever ever work together like out in the field too much, but that was one thing I really liked in the Nolan trilogy too, how they actually work together out in the streets of Gotham. Yeah, I love the scene where he's got the um in the very beginning of Batman Begins where he's got the stapler to Gordon's head and Gordon's like, You're just one man and he's like, Now we're two and like that sums it up perfectly, like <laughs> <laughs> My my favorite part from that is when uh and Gordon is in the uh Batmobile and he's like, Oh, I've got to get me one of these things. <laughs> yeah. and, and, or Batman says, you know, you take my car. And he's like, which one's yours? <laughs> yeah. And then you kind of see it there. He's like, oh, I just, that still makes me laugh every time I see it. But it's it, it's a genuine reaction. It was like, oh, of course, you're not going to have the Volvo across the street. That's going to be your car, you know? <laughs> yeah. And also, too, how they worked in the Nolan movies is how that relationship first started, how they had Gordon be the cop who was the one comforting Bruce and gave him the jacket and just tell him it's going to be okay. But that was a perfect way to set everything up to give Bruce a reason to go to Gordon first and any other cop that's out there. So that was another great thing that they added to it. I also like the scene a lot too in the dark night where, um, Gordon comes home after the whole Joker flipping the truck thing. And his son's like, did Batman save me? He's like, no, actually I saved him this time. I thought that was really good. Yeah. And that's how it yeah. works. Gordon does save Batman sometimes, you know. Yeah, and even though, like I said, for Dark Knight Rises, they didn't have too much interaction together and Gordon's in the hospital, they did have probably one of the best uh, scenes in the movie, though, where Batman vaguely tells him who he is. That was a great moment in the movie where yeah. he actually reveals himself yeah. to Gordon. But um, was there any characters out there that you guys find that were annoying in the Batman world where you wish it didn't exist? Are you speaking of Batmite? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I actually like Batmite when he's used in the, the Brave and the Bold series, yeah. but, um, you know. One character who, this is going to the Batman Beyond realm, but one character who I really didn't like when she was introduced was uh, Max, because, uh, first of all, she was in, just introduced for the show just because they wanted, like, a... Bruce, or Terry to have a psychic, but they didn't want it to be Robin. They wanted it to be like another teenager. And the concept, I guess, was pretty good, but I just didn't like her characters. Came off real annoying. This is the fact that she thinks she knew things more than Terry or even Bruce on a certain occasion, which I just hated. <laughs> Where she was like kind of talked down for the Bruce or Terry, and they were the ones in action. But she had some good moments, but she was a character I just felt was real unnecessary to the story. This is kind of one of those 
characters who's there to help out, but most of the time she'd get in trouble more than help anyone out. So she's one character in Batman Beyond. I just like felt she was a waste. It would have been better off if I think if they actually did bring someone in to be a Robin or that cat girl who we have now in the comics is is a cool character. They should have just brought in her, her in for the series. So that's one who I felt was an annoying character. I'm thinking more of the Creeper, but I'm thinking the Creeper more from the animated series, the last series. I don't know if – was the Creeper ever an essential, like, an exclusive Batman character, or was he kind of all over the DCU? I never that, that, heard of him until he was in that Batman animated series okay. episode. I kind of thought he was more Batman, but it seems like he does show up in other DC books. Yeah, but that that was one j- just from the animated series that that you know going through the DVD watching every episode. That's when I go, oh, I accidentally fast forwarded that one. <laughs> that, the intro to that episode is pretty cool though, where they yeah how they recounted the origin of the Joker. I guess that's a good thing if no one can think of anything because there's that just means there's more cool characters in the Batman universe. <laughs> yeah, I, I could say that in. Uh... Batman Forever, I hated <laughs> Alfred's niece, who then turned out to be Batgirl, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was just ter- terrible. But I would say, too, at first, as a kid, seeing some of the stuff Bullock would do, like, kind of like cop who always hated Batman, he was someone yeah. who kind of got on my nerves as a kid, but as I got older, I just thought it to be funny, and then the later yeah. on episodes, they had that respect for each other, even though they do things way differently. Yeah. Anything to add, Dane, as far as annoying characters? <laughs> Characters you don't like. I'm, I'm just trying to think. Um, I mean, it's not a comic character, if, if that's okay. I, w- I didn't choose any comic characters. Well, oh, oh, you didn't. Oh, um, the the voice actor who played the young uh, Jason in Under the Red Hood. I cannot stand <laughs> that kid. There is two of them, I think. Like the young young Jason Todd, or kind of like the teenage Jason Todd when he was got killed uh, by the, the Joker. The one that's at the end. Okay. So, yeah. This is the best yeah. day of my life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it was a really good scene and everything, and I get what they're trying to do, but it, it's just the way he delivered that line is just dumb. But um, and also, I mean, this is pretty obvious, but um, the the voice actress who played uh, Harley oh, no. in the animated <laughs> series, yeah. Man. Oh man, I mean, what a one of a kind voice, but I don't know. You, you watch a couple episodes, and it's kind of like, uh, I mean, especially in, um, oh, no, it, it was a different voice actress in um, in Arkham City, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Or no, or no, was yeah. it Arkham City or Asylum? No, Asylum Arkham had C- the original one. Arkham yeah. City was different. Tara Strong Batgirl voiced, uh, uh, what you call it, uh, Harley in Arkham City. Yeah, it, it, is that the one where you're, um, or she's constantly, like, one step ahead of you? No, that's uh, Arkham Asylum. See, same voice actress. I, I cannot stand it, especially in that game where she was always one step ahead of you. And it's like, oh, my God, I just want to – I mean, Batman could kill once. Batman could kill once, right? <laughs> so no, no. why not have it be Harley? <laughs> uh, do you guys remember the old TV shows like America's Funniest Home Videos, but it was America's Funniest People? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where I first knew of Arlene Sorkin, and she was annoying on that show. And then when I found out she was doing Harley, I was like, oh, well, she does kind of, her voice does fit the character perfectly. But I think I think maybe at first time she can be annoying, but she's so lovable as she grows on you and I need to accept that. About yeah. Ace, the bat yeah, hound. So, um, yeah. oh. <laughs> oh, God, I was going to say, what do you guys think of that? But he's great at Batman Beyond. Yeah. 
I was going to say, I can't think of Ace without thinking of the Blue Falcon and Dino Mutt. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I see Ace, I think it's Dino Mutt. <laughs> yeah. Didn't Batman have a gorilla, too? I vaguely remember a comic when it's like a bat gorilla, too. On there. I, yeah, something's ringing a bell. Batman could open his own zoo probably <laughs> during the 50s and 60s run. <laughs> there, there's a new comic title for the 50s, too. The Batman Zoo or something. <laughs> Once Batman Incorporated is gone. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I did a quick search. The only thing that comes up is Gorilla Grodd. There's a lot of action figure sets with Batman and Gorilla Grodd. So... He did have one of the funniest moments in The Brave and the Bold where he's wearing, like, Batman's utility belt. <laughs> Do you ever see that one? It's hilarious. I don't see it. that sequence. Oh, yeah. The kids and I laugh about it all the time. They're like, it, he's wearing the same utility belt as Batman and his I, henchman or whatever. Like, isn't that Batman's utility belt? And Gorilla God's like, no, I've always had this. I just don't wear it that much or something. I don't know. Yeah, you have to see it. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I've got the whole uh, set. I'll have to track that down and see which disc it's on. And there was that Justice League Unlimited episode, too, where Grodd uh, transformed uh, like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman into apes in mm-hmm. their costumes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's what I'm thinking of, but I thought there was a comic book with, like, a bat gorilla or something. Or maybe it was Detective Chimp. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> too many monkeys. Yeah. You know, the thing is, Batman's mostly a loner, so he doesn't have really a lot of supporting cast, and I think the... The lame ones just don't stick, you know. Other writers and other people don't pick it up because I I know from reading the comic for so long there's been always been a lot of like detectives and FBI agents and people come and they're in one two issues and then you never see them again, so it doesn't really stick as much. Yeah, like the original Batwoman and Batgirl didn't last too long either. <laughs> yeah, what did they probably fit in that category? Uh, I, I add another one who I think is pretty good and. Of course, Nolan used them great, and that's Lucius Fox. I, yeah. You know, I, I guess now in the New 52, Lucius doesn't know that Bruce is Batman, but there's Batman Incorporated in the New 52, so he knows Bruce is funding Batman. Um, and now with Luke Fox as uh, Batwing, if that series continues, he might be a bigger uh, or have a bigger role in the, the, the mythos. But I, I really like what they did with Lucius Fox in... Um, the, the Nolan series. Yeah, because at first, at least I'm just going by my experience from the animated series, he, got, he was just the one who ran Wayne Enterprises when Bruce wasn't there. He's like just the next command of Wayne Industries, and so that was pretty much his only role. But yeah, you're right, Terrence. How they incorporated him into like developing Batman's suit and all his equipment, kind of like his uh, Q, I guess, <laughs> yeah. James Bond terms. But yeah, they, yeah. they did a great job of incorporating into that. And it was cool, too. They didn't do this moment where Bruce was like, I have a secret to tell you. I'm Batman, or it wasn't goofy where, like, oh, look, I'm, you know, Clark Kent, I'm wearing glasses, I can't be Superman. It was like, Lucius Fox did something like, you know, if you want to tell me this is skydiving, that's fine, but, you know, don't think I'm stupid, or, you know, like, I I forget what the exact quote was, but he just basically kind of said, like, I know, I'm not stupid, and, you know, yeah. Yeah, he said, don't think of me as an idiot, I think. That's it, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but you were saying, Terrence, how Batman's a loner, maybe, like, there's not too many supporting characters, or maybe the ones who aren't who aren't good, but I think the opposites could be true too. Where even though he is a loner, he probably has the best rounded supporting cast than anyone in the comics. I'd say maybe Spider-Man can be pretty close, but even him doesn't have the supporting cast that Batman does. I mean, oh yeah, just think of them like all the Robins. Most of them, they're all great characters. Just in the Robins, then you got Barbara Gordon, you got Stephanie Brown, Cassandra Cain, Chip Gordon, Alfred. The characters we mentioned, Leslie Tompkins. Harold, Lucius Fox, 
mean, there's so many of them that it could almost like be his own universe, really, without being in the DC continuity. Yeah. I mean, I've always said even Batman's worst E-list character is better than other heroes' A-list characters. That, yep. like you said, the the bench is just so deep. If this were a pitching team for, let's just say, oh, I don't know, the Detroit Tigers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they got Sorry, a staff. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, it would just be such a, a deep bench if you could put it into, you know, baseball terms. But you get through Superman's rogues gallery, you're like, uh, we're, we're done. Uh, we went through our whole roster, and they're still, they're still a bench full. So, um you can just continue to keep reading. I've got a, a Batman uh, encyclopedia, and almost half of the book is just the, you know, rogues gallery and the supporting cast. And it, it's not a dull read all the way through there. But I've got the you know the Superman encyclopedia, and it's like okay, well there's there's Supergirl, and then there's Lex Luthor and Superboy, and well that's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking with like the Marvel movies when you, after. Like Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor, they had their big villains already. Especially Captain America and Thor, their big villains are Loki and Red Skull. And for the sequel, it's like, okay, who's really after that that you know of or who's going to be interesting? Because none of those characters have the A-list villains like Batman has. But it doesn't seem to be affecting the movie. They're still going to make more and more. But, yeah, Yeah. nobody in comics compares to Batman's cast of characters. And speaking of uh, baseball, Dane, I'm sorry, the Yankees couldn't help Oakland out with oh, losing God. the series to Texas. <laughs> Are you serious? Uh, I mean, you you claim that they're the greatest team in the world, <laughs> and they couldn't beat Texas. Certain years they are, but I don't think this year they are. <laughs> yeah, not to share is out for the year. Uh. A Rod's on Twitter call, ca- causing a bunch of controversy. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I, I just might root uh, for Oakland with you, Dane, now. <laughs> <laughs> or you can come over to Detroit. I mean, we, we've got plenty of room. <laughs> <laughs> they might be the safer bet to make it to the postseason. <laughs> but anyway, I guess, that'll, I guess that'll do it for the feature topic, I would say. <laughs> All right. Um, and, yes, I did go to see Man of Steel again. Uh, so you, <laughs> you got week. one up on me, or I still haven't seen it twice. Yeah, I've only seen it once. I, and I didn't even it. like it. I know. <laughs> yeah. I saw it twice in uh, 24 hours. Saw it at the 7 p.m. Walmart showing, and then went back um, at 9 o'clock the following night to go see it again. Oh, nice. And I have to say, I have to say that now that my expectation has, you know, been kind of ruined, I can kind of appreciate it as a, a bland action movie now. Land action movie. That doesn't sound much yeah. like a good thing. <laughs> no, no, it's it's like an action movie, like 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 Die Hard without the depth. <laughs> <laughs> you still sound like you don't like it. <laughs> okay, kind of like what was another action movie? <laughs> I don't know. I was just trying to figure out what what depth what there was in Die Hard. <laughs> so so was I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now I have a gun too. Oh, yes. oh, oh! <laughs> Shoot the glass. <laughs> well, can you just say you enjoyed it a little bit better the second time? Yeah, yeah. I said that <laughs> I can appreciate it as a as a bland kind of action movie where you know it's all explosions and gunfire and killing each other and stuff like that. You know. 
Don't forget the buildings falling. The buildings falling, asphalt being broken, stuff like that. Just say you liked it better the second time. <laughs> yeah, I liked it better the second time. <laughs> okay, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, I was thinking maybe when it comes out on um, on Blu-ray or DVD or whatever, and I can actually own a copy of it and watch it uh, whenever I want to, and I don't have to go to the movies, maybe it'll grow on me. So maybe I was too quick on my judgment of the movie. I'd be surprised if you're actually going to buy it for not liking it and then to buy the Blu-ray. Well, I mean, maybe a digital download, you know, off of iTunes or something. Hey, speaking of Blu-rays, did you guys see the the metal cases that they have for Blu-rays at Walmart? I don't know if they sell it elsewhere. For The Dark Knight and Batman Begins? Yeah, I just saw those today, actually. Those are pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah, they look really cool. I don't know if they have the Dark Knight Rises, but I, I wanted to get them. But I'm like, uh, do I need another Blu-ray copy? Especially with the uh, whatever the Ultimate Edition coming out in a couple months. But I might have to buy those just for the the metal cases. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. finally revealed the packaging for the Ultimate Edition. I mean, the cases look cool for that, but I want to know what the special features are on that. What's going to make it Ultimate? <laughs> well, like- it, it in the shot, it looks like there's like nine discs there. Uh, I was trying to count how many discs there were. I'm like, okay, there's three movies, and that's an awful lot of discs for three movies. So I'm kind of curious what, unless it's you know, Blu-ray, DVD, Blu-ray, DVD, you know, for the yeah. for all three. But I hope not. I just want commentaries. I know I've been saying that forever, but <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's what will make it ultimate for me anyway. I know even if scenes it's, would be cool, but I'm not counting on those, knowing how Nolan doesn't like to have those on there. Yeah. Even if it's commentaries, not from Nolan. I would love to have Nolan have commentaries, but if it's you know production designer or you know visual effects, just you know something extra other than just you know nothing <laughs> but yeah. a special box, you know. Yeah, but the artwork does look cool on those boxes, though. I think you get like like small miniature of the vehicles for you to move, like. The tumbler, the bat pod, and the bat. I'm just hoping that's not it, though. <laughs> that's what makes it ultimate. It's yeah, that's what I'm afraid miniature. of. Miniature. <laughs> of course, I'm going to buy it anyway, though. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess we can move on to some news. There's the massive flood of news that happened over the last two weeks. <laughs> yes, we have one story. So um, this is going to be really quick. Um <laughs> We got the Beware of the Batman trailer, and Tim, being the big anime animation fan that you are, Batman animation fan, and Green Lantern animation, Star Wars animation, and Ninja Turtles animation, and what else are you into? <laughs> <laughs> well, you named all my favorite CG animated shows, but then um, the old 2D stuff, that'll go on forever. Gargoyles? <laughs> Gargoyles, yes. Uh, the X-Men, Spider-Man? Yep. Anime series. Was there a Hulk one? There was, but I never watched those. Yeah. Like the Hulk oh, or the Fantastic watch. Four and an Iron Man, they just, those didn't look good <laughs> compared to the Oh, yeah, yeah. And S- Superman, Justice League, Super Friends? No, that was before my time. Yeah, yeah, I figured. Yeah. You're not that old. <laughs> <laughs> but there was tons of great 80s cartoons, though, which I grew up with. Like what? Oh, the best being DuckTales. I mean, that yeah. still holds up today. And then there's a show, I don't know if, this is a show I've watched all the time, but not a, pe- a lot of people have seen it. You guys ever heard of a show called Dinosaucers? Yes. Oh, no. uh, yes. Some yes, I have. <laughs> oh, cool. Because it was created by Michael Uslan, and I didn't know that until, like, way down the line when I've seen him and do, like, Batman interviews. So then, when I found out, oh, cool, he created that show. Like, the drawing, the animation on it was really cool. The concept for a kid, I think, is awesome. These 
aliens who are dinosaurs, and they have all these cool different spaceships, and then certain characters have, uh, like, a button on their chest that makes them actually transform into an actual dinosaur. If they're, like, there's a fight they need to win, they just hit that button, they turn into, like, a real Triceratops or a real brontosaurus or something like that. I mean, like, when you're, like, a six- or five-year-old kid, it's, like, the coolest thing ever <laughs> if you're into dinosaurs. So, yes, to answer your question, Dane, I am an animation kid. <laughs> And also, I, like I, uh, I keep on forgetting to, to tell you, but um, I was watching the Revenge of the Sith um, special features, the the two disc DVD. Oh, you're actually watching some special features? Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm taking a big step forward. Um, but you know that guy, David Tattersall, the the cinematographer for the prequels. Uh uh-huh. He should not be be public speaking ever in a in any capacity because. He has one of the most boring voices I've ever heard in my life, and he, he he has that British accent which makes it even more draggy. And it's like, oh, I just want to go to sleep after after talking to him. Great, so you got exposure to some special features and they're going so well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not going very well. But I'm gonna try to dive into the um, the Blu-ray special features. You tonight. gotta see the deleted scenes. Is this the um, the the collection that has uh, the the one deleted scene where Luke is creating his lightsaber. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I gotta see that. Yes, you do. I, you know, screw this podcast. I'm just gonna. <laughs> 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 um, but anyways, Tim, why don't you talk about the Beware the Batman trailer? Yeah. So first off the bat, it's, I'll already say it right now, it doesn't look anything like Batman the animated series, or it's gonna contend to be that good, or to knock that off as the greatest Batman cartoon ever. <laughs> But I have to say, I was skeptical at first when it was announced and the whole concept of it. But after seeing the trailer, it does look pretty cool, and I'm actually looking forward to it when it does come on. I mean, the animation on it, it looks pretty much like how Green Lantern was. It's no Star Wars and Clone Wars, I'll say that too. <laughs> it doesn't look that good, but it's pretty similar to how Green Lantern, the animated series, was, which I thought was good. Um, the only thing I didn't like about that animation was certain planets or the cities that they go to sometimes, it's like very bland. There was just nothing to it, not enough detail for me. But um, anyway, but the character of Batman looks pretty cool in this series. I like his costume design. And in the trailer, there was no dialogue. They just showed certain fight sequences that he's having with certain villains. I think one of them was Magpie, then they show him in a Batmobile car chase with Professor Pig. And to me, just the fight choreography looks pretty cool in it. I love how his costume looks. And yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing how it all plays out with the story and still kind of skeptical as far as how it works with Batman and his partner being Katana and how Alfred's a retired secret agent who may help out with some guns, but I think they might have gone not gone with that idea or they toned it down in some way where he might not have guns anymore, which is what I'm hoping. <laughs> but, yeah, overall, I think it looks really cool. I'm looking forward to when it starts. And also, they kind of have the first three episode uh, details released too, which are going to be airing on July 13th, 20th to the 27th. Like, the first episode description is, like, it's called Hunted, where Batman stops two vigilantes from taking their revenge over a shady land deal, and an aging Alfred hires his replacement, a female bodyguard named Katana, which kind of makes me think, where, is he even going to have a role as someone who works with Batman out in the field with his guns and everything like they originally planned, or did they just totally scrap that now? He's kind of retiring, and that's why it's Katana's in the show, so... We'll see when it actually airs, but I just hope some way they acknowledge about one of the Robins, either it's Dick Grayson, Tim Drake, or whoever, and just that 
Robin's not in this continuity at all. I just hope that's not the case, that there is a reason why they go with Catan instead of a Robin. So we'll see. But overall, I think it's looking really cool. Yeah, I thought it looked really good, too. They also had um, the villain Anarchy in it just for a split second, although he was wearing all white, not his normal red costume, uh, which I thought looked pretty cool. And also the, the Toad um, was with Professor Pig. So um, I, I was impressed. Uh, I still want to hear the voices. You know, that can make or break it. Uh, and um, the thing that got me, though, was I remember when it first was announced and it seemed so far in the future when it would come out. And then when I even saw this clip, I was watching my house isn't going to be on forever. And then at the end, it's like, oh, it's coming on in just a few days. It's I, I couldn't believe it's we're, we're here already to, to start seeing the first episodes within, you know, a month. Um, so, you know, hopefully it'll be good. Yeah, I had the same reaction, uh, too, watching it going, oh, that's still so far in the future. Then it said July. I'm like, looking at the calendar, I'm like, oh, crap, July's right around the corner, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, I don't know if you guys had seen the uh, uh, figure from, it's in the DC Universe classic scale that Mattel is releasing. Uh, I don't know if it's the prototype that they're showing. The figure doesn't look all that good, um, and I saw the preview of the figure before seeing the clip and I thought, oh, this is how the figure looks in action figure form then the show must not it must be based exactly like this because I would imagine they're trying to replicate the show as best as possible then seeing the clip, I was really surprised of how how good it looked, all we got were just like the basic, you know, one shot drawings and it's kind of Hard to see, you know, imagine how the character's gonna move and jump and do all that type of stuff. So I kind of thought, well, it'll probably be kind of like Green Lantern, so I was kind of watching those last few episodes of Green Lantern just to kind of, kind of get familiar with that animation style a little bit. And, uh, what I saw I really liked. I was disappointed we didn't get to hear Batman's voice, at least, you know, speak one line, and I was kind of surprised. We didn't see, like, Alfred or Katana. Have they announced who's doing the voice cast of this, or have they kind of kept that under wraps? Uh, no, they did announce who's doing it. Okay. And I'm blanking on the guy who's doing Batman's voice, but um, all right, yeah, I'm blanking on his name, but the only thing I've seen him in, I don't know if you guys watched the Cop Show Southland. Yeah. Okay, uh, for this season, uh uh, Cooper's uh, partner, his new partner that he had. Yeah, yeah. He's doing the voice of Batman in this show, which oh, I was like, wow, right. really, man? <laughs> but he's a good actor in the show, so I think he'll probably do good. His voice didn't seem like he fit Batman, but we'll see. But hmm. So he's the only one I know of. But, again, we haven't heard any clips. There's, like, one teaser trailer where he says one line, but that's not really anything to base it off of. But from right. when I heard that one clip, it didn't sound bad at all. So for Batman, anyway, I think it'll be good. With what you were saying about hoping that there's, you know, a reference to Robin, I would love for that to happen. But just hearing kind of the um, overall synopsis that they wanted to use characters and, I guess, more importantly, villains that didn't get hardly any screen time or zero at all, it kind of makes me half wonder if they're just not even going to mention Robin at, at all, be it Dick, Tim, Jason, Damien, you know, who, whoever. Um, I would like to think maybe if the show gets a second season, they might delve into that somewhere, but uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if we don't see a Robin at all, if ever. Yeah, kind of kind of the same 
like set of like my mindset on that too, where not to get my hopes up where I am going to see him, but even if we don't see him, I just hopefully we get an explanation because, like I said before, it's, the idea of having no Robin exist in this continuity, Katana is Batman's sidekick. This is how yeah. this seems weird thinking that that's the route they're going to go. Oh, go ahead. So uh, um, the Batman kind of did the same thing. They weren't even going to uh, approach the you know topic of Robin, and then they eventually did you know by season was it season three I think, and then Robin became more prevalent. So maybe it's kind of like baby steps. We'll see how season one does, and maybe they'll want to expand and you know kind of bring in more familiar um, characters. But I think that would help the show, you know. Too by having maybe a Joker or a Penguin or the Riddler maybe sporadically because unless you're reading the comics if people may not know who Professor Pig is or who's this pig looking guy and what's up with the frog you know so it, going maybe that drastic could end up hurting the show but I guess we'll just kind of have to see what episode one's like yeah I remember even with Green Lantern the animated series they wanted to stay completely away from Sinestro for the first season or the first part of the first season, because it only had one season. But, like, later on, they kind of brought him in just for one episode, unfortunately. But, yeah, it's kind of might hopefully the same thing, where maybe for the first set of episodes we'll hold off on the characters you're familiar with or expecting to see, and then we'll see how it goes, and then we'll bring him in. Yeah, I was going to ask, are they even allowed to use Robin? Because, um, and I was going to mention, but you mentioned the Batman. You know, the Batman wasn't allowed to use Robin their first couple seasons because Teen Titans was on at the time, and so they didn't let them. They also didn't let the Batman use uh, Two Face or uh, the Riddler, I think, for a while because of the Tommy Lee Jones movie. But um, now that they've got Teen Titans Go on, I don't know if they're even allowed to use Robin. Uh, somebody was telling me, I, I don't know if it's true or not, but that. Somehow in licensing, you can only have one product out at one certain time, and that was kind of a hiccup with uh, Young Justice being on what the Siegel and Schuster family, as they were trying to move forward with, you know, uh, the Superman comics and even the Man of Steel, that they had to kind of cut a deal that somebody was saying that, that you can't have two characters sharing the same property and or universe or something like that. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's kind of what I've heard. Oh yeah, it is. There's like this whole like embargo type thing where it's when the Batman was on uh, Justice League Unlimited couldn't use any of the Batman villains because when they had that whole season of the Legion of Doom, there was not one Batman villain in that group, and it was because hmm. the Batman was on and they were using the villains. Then, like you said, Terrence, with the Batman TV show, they couldn't use uh, Two Face, like you said, Scarecrow or Rachel Ghoul because they were going to be in the Nolan movies. I think they were only able to use Joker because it's the Joker, and you kind of expect him to be in any Batman cartoon. But yeah, there's this whole stinking like set of rules that this I think are so stupid. If it's, I know some of it, part of it's too, like they don't want to confuse people where they're in this TV show, but then they show up in the movie, but they're different. I just really hate that reasoning. Yeah, and it might be good, you know, if people don't know who Professor Pig is before they see it, because they would never let their kids see it if they knew who and what he was in the Grant Morrison <laughs> run. Yeah. My uh, my wife got me the uh, Batman and Robin, the Grant Morrison run for Christmas, the first three volumes, and I was going through, and I was kind of, when I got to the Professor Pig stuff, I was like, look at this. She's like, oh, my God, that's gross. I can't believe I bought that for you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know, thanks. <laughs> At the same time, too, I think it is cool that they're using some of those villains. I think it's great that they're using Professor Pig because he's yeah. one of the more 
unique Batman villains to come out in a long time. It does say here on the internet that after the shooting in Aurora, um, they altered the firearms on the show to make them look less realistic. And I know there was something that came out afterwards saying that Alfred would be shooting, you know, concussion bullets or something like that, or not real bullets. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, they've toned it down. But I kind of like Alfred being a little bit more of a sort of like a secret agent kind of guy, bodyguard, than the butler for the for the modern kind of cartoon. Like, I don't mind that. Just the fact that Bruce would allow him to use guns while they're out on patrol or solving a case or something. That doesn't sit right with me, that Bruce would allow him to use guns and that. But like you said, yeah. they're just like rubber bullets or something or like concussion bullets. And yeah, that, that, that'll definitely work a lot better for me than being actual guns. Yeah. Ian, that's the very thing that took his parents away. I'm like, oh, yeah, Alfred, why don't you go grab your guns? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you got your bullets. Unless Alfred just says the line, like, in Dark Knight Returns, rubber bullets, honest. <laughs> but, yeah, just uh, two more weeks, I think, and then we'll finally know for sure how good it is or not. <laughs> so yeah. Definitely looking forward to it now. Hopefully it'll wash out the uh, the bad taste of um, Teen Titans Go. So, <laughs> uh you said you actually watched I've, an episode, huh? Yeah, twice. Two separate occasions <laughs> I've tried to watch it. I just cannot get into it. It's for kids, but it's it's not that in- intellectual kind of thing. It's more of just being stupid. Yeah. yeah. You kind of just got that vibe from those shorts they added and just the commercials. My eight-year-old loves it. <laughs> being such a huge Robin fan, uh, I'm probably more of a Robin fan than a Batman fan, uh, I watched like 30 seconds of it, and my wife's like, "Hey, there's Robin on there." I'm like, "This is complete and utter crap. I will not, <laughs> I will not watch them deface the Robin character like this and just shut it off." She was yeah. like, "Okay, then." <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the Mad Magazine version of yeah the DCU yeah. So. yeah. And I thought the first Teen Titans show was more like for kids, and the tone wasn't too serious, but this one takes like to a whole nother level where it makes the previous Titan show seem like Batman the Anime series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who, who in the world thought that this was good, a good idea for the DC animated universe by canceling um, Green Lantern and um, Young Justice? What was the other shit? Yeah, Young Justice and putting this on. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't get it. <laughs> well, if you look at Cartoon Network, I don't really watch it that much, but I, I do see the commercials. You know, for all the shows when when we're watching the stuff, it seems like all the cartoon shows are like Teen Titans Go now. They're just complete Mad Magazine, ridiculous, you know, nonsense. Um, and so I, I think they're just trying to fit in with what uh, what's on Cartoon Network, which you know should be Clone Wars and Young Justice, and but unfortunately it's weird things like the regular show and all this kind of weird stuff that is just mindless stupidity. Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised that uh, with Man of Steel coming out, they're not developing a new Superman animated series. It's, yeah. It's been almost 20 years since that one. It's, yeah, one of the 90s came out, and usually when there's a new movie, they usually put an animated series in development. Kind of hopefully, I was hoping maybe later, to this hopefully that announcement's for a later time, but I think we definitely would have heard something by now they're developing one, so yeah. for the sequel, we'll get an animated series. Because I think he's, Superman's definitely due for another one. And that might have been something, too, that you know, even Warner Brothers was saying, depending on how Man of Steel does in the box office, whether they would go forward with the Justice League and you know do that whole thing. So maybe that was their point on the, their stance on the animated 
realm as well. They're like, well, you know, if it doesn't do well, then we're putting all this time and money into a Superman. You know, if they would have done an animated series right when Superman Returns came out, then, you know, we kind of saw how that did. They would have been sitting with this, you know, property that no one wanted to watch on Saturday morning. So, yeah, unfortunately, that's kind of probably why they held back with Superman was what happened with Green Lantern. I mean, they probably just banked, oh, the movie's going to be it no matter what. We'll get the animated series going. And then because the movie was a flop, and even though the series was great, and it all depends on merchandise, they couldn't even make toys because retailers were still trying to get rid of the Green Lantern movie products, and those weren't moving at all. So they weren't. Right. They didn't want toys from the animated series of the same uh, property. So that kind of doomed it from the start. Was the, um, was the movie a flop? Yeah, big time. Like, like commercially? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It barely made its budget back. I think it just oh, made its wow. budget back. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of those, I I still I still can find enjoyment in the movie. Um, my wife likes it just because she likes Ryan Reynolds, but, um, you know, I, I can still look at it and go, I see what they were trying to do. Um, it... I think they just took too many left turns, you know, and end up just making one giant circle. But the the premise uh, really had me psyched, and I walked out of the theater going, it was good, you know, and I ended up buying it. Uh, more importantly, to get the Arkham City uh, uh, skin code out of it. But you know, <laughs> I'll I'll from time to time I'll put it in as I'm going through, like, oh, what haven't I seen in a while? And it'll be kind of something I'll just put on in the background while I'm doing something else and I'll catch myself partway through watching little bits. So it's, I wouldn't say it's horrible, but it's, I guess it's moderately enjoyable. Yeah, but. I agree. I think like, like you said, it's good, but the biggest thing is that it's just a missed opportunity of what it could have been. That's my biggest. Yeah. yeah. So did your brother hear what you just said? <laughs> <laughs> he, he deep down, he knows it too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess we can get into our conversation with Alex, um, where we like to talk to Alex, and Alex has stuff to talk to us about. And you know, he's from—he's not from Iceland. He's not from uh, Mexico. He's—he's uh, uh, from the United States of America. So there you have it. <laughs> you were wrong on all your guesses. <laughs> he's from Detroit. Yeah. yeah, he's Detroit. Yeah, he's from Detroit. So. Uh, Alex, how's Detroit like? How's it, um, how's your night, or day, or evening, or <laughs> morning, <laughs> uh, afternoon? How's it, um, how's it hanging, you know? <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, Terrence, wh- why don't you read us his email? Yes, well, this this week, uh, we had actually two listener feedbacks. And one was an email from Alex, and the other was Rob, who said he liked the podcast, so we put him on. So, uh, Yay! Yeah. So uh, Alex writes, he says, great episode. Of course, they're always great. Uh, no, um, he says, great episode. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to see Man of Steel before the podcast, so I was trying to skip to after the discussion. Once I heard Batman, I thought it was over, but it turned out it had to do with Batman's reaction <laughs> would be to Superman's act committed at the end of the movie. So we ruined the end of the movie for Alex. So Sorry, Alex. <laughs> our one fan, we ruined his life here. Uh, I went and saw Man of Steel the day after and still really enjoyed it. So that's good, even though we ruined it. All right, his questions are, which character has your favorite chemistry with Batman? It could be a, with a villain, ally, romantic partner, or any acquaintance. 
And is there a story that you can think of that best represents this? And um, I'll go first. And I'll, I always liked Batman with Tim Drake as Robin. Um, and I can't think of a particular story, but just basically all those comics I was reading in the 90s, I, I thought they went really well together. But how about you guys? Who's got the best chemistry with Batman? Um, well, you took mine, and I was going to say Tim. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> so... Uh, I'll just to keep up with the Robin theme here. I liked where it was going with Damien, um, starting off in uh, issue one of the New Fifty Two, then working our way up right till you know the very end, uh, where it looked like they were finally getting that father and son beat down. So that'd be mine. For me, I'd probably go with kind of what we're talking about in the last episode, Batman and Superman. I think they just have a great dynamic in the chemistry that they have when they work together. Even, so I think the perfect example, like we mentioned last week or last episode, was the Batman uh, Superman animated series crossover World's Finest. Just the way how they start off being uh, people who don't really trust or respect each other to developing that trust and friendship all the way up to Justice League Un- Unlimited. So I really like the Batman Superman relationship that they have. It's two opposites, but yet they work together to form a great team. Can I switch up Alex's question? Sure. <laughs> um. It's not really Batman and somebody else. It's Damien and Steph. I felt like, you know, when Brian Q. Miller was writing the the kind of Damien and Steph storylines in Batgirl before the New 52, that that kind of took off the, I hate this character. I hate uh, that Batman has a kid kind of thing. Because it showed a different side of Damien. Damien wasn't... You know, this cold, heartless child, you know. And it took Steph to bring that out of him, which I thought was really unusual because if you think about it, Steph at that point wasn't really popular. And just like a random choice, you know, who would have thought that Steph and Damien would have had any kind of chemistry together? So I thought that was odd and good at the same time. So probably those two. And I'm, I'm so sad that with this new 50, it's probably one of my biggest regrets in the new 52 is that we don't have that anymore. Yeah, on both fronts now. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, that was the very first uh, issue of Batgirl I had picked up with Steph. Um, and I was surprised to see Damien was in there and his you know, first appearance with her. And I just, I, that, I did the same thing, fell in love with the Damien character at that moment. That, Like you said, she just brought that right out of him. I thought that was just genius on his writing. All right, and Alex continues. He has a question. What are your thoughts on the way the Batman character has been written thus far in the New 52? Whose interpretation do you like the most and least? Um, And uh, as I've mentioned, I feel like Batman's being written very different in each book. Although recently I do think Detective and the Dark Knight has gotten a little bit kind of closer. At least he's calling Alfred Penny One in both of those books. Um, uh, but I so far, and I usually don't like the way he writes Batman, And uh, but Jeff Johns in the um, first arc of Justice League, uh, maybe it was Jim Lee's art, I'm not sure, but I, I kind of liked how Batman was portrayed in uh, the beginning of Justice League Um and the uh, interaction he had with the other superheroes. Uh, usually, um, I don't know, I, I think Jeff Johns doesn't like Batman as much and, and kind of puts him down. And I hate that, although Tim, your brother, probably liked this, I hate that he had Hal Jordan punch out Batman in <laughs> one punch 
That's just, ugh, you know. Uh, so, but uh, I'll go with that. But uh, I'll throw it out to you guys. What do you guys think of the way Batman's been written in the New 52? And what was your favorite or least favorite interpretation of him? Well, this one's a no-brainer for me. Obviously, Snyder the best. With, I would say Greg Horowitz is uh, Run of the Dark Knight being second. And then the worst, for me, I have to say, it was when what kind of Peter Tomasi is doing with Batman after Damien's death with him trying to find a way to bring him back to life, getting that Frankenstein character, tricking Rob Red Hood to help him out on this case when he actually just wanted to find out how exactly he came back to life. Just acting like this mad scientist to bring his son back from the dead. I just hate that interpretation of Batman. So that's probably my worst uh, depiction of Batman in the New 52. I, I was going to go with uh, Scott Snyder as the best with uh, <laughs> want to go the polar opposite of what you just said as Peter Tomasi. I, I'm really digging what he has done. Uh, to me, the Batman and Robin title has been Robin, more of a Robin title. And you're getting to kind of see Batman through Robin's eyes, but I'm enjoying the, you know, the Frankenstein bit, the Jason Todd bit, the, you know, I, my wife and I, and I don't have any kids of our own yet, but, you know, I don't know what kind of links I'd be pushed to to uh, want to try and have my son or daughter back. And I, I'm I'm kind of, I'm really kind of enjoying where, where he's taking the character at the moment. So I, I'm going to say that's probably my best. And the <laughs> worst was Tony Daniel. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't argue that one. <laughs> it's trying, uh, I, I dropped a Detective Comics after issue five, and I have not picked it up since. That just left such a bad taste. Um, I got through the whole Dollmaker thing, and I think the fifth issue was the start of the Penguin story. And I was like, I don't even want to buy the next issue. So I have yet to pick up a Detective Comics issue since issue five. And I know it's, the art team and everybody has changed on that, but it just really left a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, not even want to pick up Detective Comics. So thank you, Tony Daniel. Yeah, you, you're not missing anything with with Detective Comics because nothing relevant is going on in it. And I haven't liked Detective since the New Fifty Two started. Um, and essentially, if, if if you're going back before Scott Snyder, it was um, David Hine, which who, whom I don't like. <laughs> Which was terrible, <laughs> the, the imposter jokers. Um, and then we had another Tony Daniel run before that. So I would say in like the, the past like three years, I haven't liked Detective besides the Scott Snyder stuff. And um, which brings me to the point where I, I think that the Batman writing has been inconsistent, to say the least. I mean, Pete Tomasi is a perfect example you know, he started on the book. His first storyline wasn't very good. And then and then he started to build the relationship between Damien and Bruce. And then Damien died. And then we had that Frank, Frankenstein story, which I'm sorry, but I have to agree with Tim. Sorry, Rob. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> which was terrible. Um, but, but we had that one silent issue, which was amazing. I mean, I don't know how Pete Tomasi pulled that off. Um so for me, it's been inconsistent. Um, it's the same thing with, kind of the same thing, I should say, with Scott Snyder. Because, you know, his Court of Owls run, overall, it was good. I didn't like that whole brother thing. 
and I didn't like uh, some of the in-between issues where it felt like he was drip-feeding us um, story, which was kind of irritating because, you know, you want something to happen, you know, every month, and it's just Batman walks down the street, and he sees an owl. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just like, <laughs> I mean, it's not that literal. It's not that literal, but it, it was inconsistent in some parts of that, um, of that story. And um, it's the same thing with Greg Hurwitz, you know, on, on The Dark Knight, you know. I mean, I, I mean especially his, his current run with the, with the Mad Hatter, you know, the, the first two or three issues were really, really good. And then we had this last issue where it was just terrible. I mean, yeah, it was just terrible. So for me, overall, it's been really inconsistent. I, and I wish that, you know, DC would, or maybe not DC, but like maybe the maybe the writers would get their act together and, and give us something solid. And my biggest problem with the New 52, I know we're only under, what, two years now? Yep, this it's, too. it's only been like two years. Yeah. Um, I, I wish we, we had something where, um, I mean, maybe it's because I'm older, but I wish there was something in the New 52 that would make me connect with the Bruce character because I feel like I, 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 I'm not connected with, with the Bruce character. I, I don't have a connection like I did with the New 52 Bruce. I mean, the, the, the pre-New 52 Bruce. But maybe it was because I was a kid and maybe it was a different time. Maybe, you know, my, my thinking was different, you know. But I, I, I just wish there was something that I could connect with with Bruce and I just feel there, there hasn't been anything like that. So, yeah, it's been inconsistent for me overall. I said this once before. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Terrence, there. Oh, that's okay. Uh, Go ahead. Um, uh, on another podcast that I had done, it's been a while ago, I said, what if there was only one Batman book? At, at some point in, you know, when Batman was created in Detective Comics, once he moved over into his own book... I was like, what if Detective Comics went and said, okay, we're going to bring in somebody new, and Batman just stayed in Batman. There was no Batman and Robin, no Batman Superman, no, you know, Dark Knight. What if there was only just the Batman book, just like there's one Wonder Woman, one Aquaman, uh, basically one Green Lantern. Do you think that would have helped the inconsistencies with having, you know, four books, five books, that everybody's kind of writing willy-nilly <laughs> amongst each other, or do you think it's just the artists them or the writers themselves are just inconsistent? I'd actually like that if if there was just one Batman book, and I feel that like you know I'll read a good issue by Scott Snyder or whoever, or Greg Hurwitz or Pete Tomasi or whoever, and I'll read another issue starring Batman, and it'll kind of erase the greatness of what I just read and. Uh, you know, it, it's it's just. I mean, it, it's it's really hard to put up. You know, a real good point on it, but but I like that idea of just having one Batman book with a good writer and a good artist that pumps out content every month. You know. Yeah, I'll I'll disagree and say um, it's not the number of books; it's the writers. Just because uh, going back to the '90s, the Superman titles used to have they used to come out every week. Uh, they had four, and then they had five titles. And then have these little triangles on them just to know which came first, second, third, fourth for the year. And those books were great. They were consistent. They Each book had their own artist and, and writer, so it had its own little different personality, but they were telling an overriding story. And going even before the Doomsday issues, and then the whole Doomsday, Reign of the Superman, and then for the next few years, 
where they were churning out a book a week, it, it felt like the same Superman, the same universe, the same overriding story, but then each book had its own little feel. So, uh, I, you know, I just think it's, you know, um, maybe the editing or something on Batman. I, my wallet, my, you know, would definitely appreciate one book as opposed to <laughs> nine. Uh, but I, I just feel like if they were a little more consistent and, um, I also want to say you guys said uh, Snyder and Capullo a lot, but I couldn't pick them just because I don't feel like Scott Snyder has made Bruce any kind of a detective or done any kind of detective work. And I know I've mentioned that before. Maybe I'm beating a dead horse, but it just seemed kind of ridiculous that the Court of Owls are all through Gotham with Italians all over the place, and he had no clue. And the whole Joker thing, he had no clue. It just... I. He's lack of the, the detective aspect of the world's greatest detective. So, um. I don't know if we're getting the detective aspect in much of, of any of the other books at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that part. He's the world's greatest detective, and now he's the world's greatest detective that doesn't detect anything. You know, yeah. <laughs> like you know, where, where's your deductive skills? And I mean, Snyder's in in one panel. Will start that thread, and by panel four, he he's like, "What was I saying again?" You know, it's it's gone. So, yeah, um, I mean, I I like Snyder's work very much, but there's it's like like Dane said, it's a, a lot of walking, and then bam, action, some more walking, bam, action. <laughs> yeah, you know, a little exposition would be nice here and there. We do need Harvey Harris to come back in a Batman. <laughs> <Exactly>, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so um, did anybody want to add anything else? Or, um... no, I think we got it covered. Okay, <laughs> okay. and um, Alex has a question for us. This is the last one. He says, what is your favorite character in a comedy TV show? Um, so it's kind of a tough one, but I'll... I, I, the, the one who cracks me up all the time, my, my favorite comedy show of all time is Arrested Development, and there's so many funny ones on that one, so I'll go with... the. Uh, Joe, uh, Joe Bluth on uh, Arrested Development. But, uh, what about you guys? Favorite character in a comedy TV show? Uh, for me, it'd be, between my two favorite comedy shows are going to be The Simpsons or Seinfeld. And probably for The Simpsons, I think you got to go with Homer. Just some of the stupid <laughs> yeah. stuff that he gets himself into and just that he says. And then on Seinfeld, I have to go with George. Just some of the <laughs> stuff that he does is just so stupid but yet funny at the same time. One that always sticks out to me is... Uh, he joins the book club. He has to read breakfast at Tiffany's, but he doesn't want to read. So he goes to rent the movie, but they're out of it. So he tracks down the person who rented it to his house so he can watch it with them. <laughs> like, yeah. Who does stuff like that? But it's so funny when it happens. Yeah, every time my kids do something stupid, I look at them and go, and you want to be my latex salesman. Yeah. <laughs> and they have no clue what I'm talking about either. But Yeah, so that would be my choice. Uh, mine uh, is also George from Seinfeld. Uh, <laughs> uh, I started doing George's <laughs> around the house. <laughs> Anytime I do something around the house, I was watching Seinfeld. I was at a point where I put in season one, season two, season three, and I would keep watching. And my wife's going, are you going to start doing that stupid George voice? I was like, <laughs> George is getting upset. <laughs> So I think I'm going to start doing that tomorrow just to have some fun. <laughs> nice. I don't watch a lot of TV. <laughs> In fact, I'd, I don't watch anything besides uh, baseball on TV. So, um, yeah, I can't really – sorry, Alex, man. I know you email us every two weeks, but <sighs> sorry to let you down, man. 
don't, please don't cry, Alex. Don't cry. How about a funny baseball player, then? Who's your funniest baseball player? <laughs> A-Rod. <laughs> 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 yeah, he's a joke, all right. <laughs> yeah. Or or John Crook. John Crook or uh, A-Rod. So, like I said, angriest or gr- gr- grouchiest person on television. There you go. We translate to also funniest, then. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I forgot about The Simpsons. I might have to change my answer to The Simpsons. (laughs) The one I love on The Simpsons, unfortunately, is not on anymore because he died. But Phil Hartman, Troy Mm. McClure, and uh, who's the lawyer? Lionel Hutz. Yeah, I I mean, he was just a genius. Yeah. (laughs) And the the monorail salesman. (laughs) (laughs) Who had the great Batman quote with Homer. (laughs) We got someone to help you. Is it Batman? (laughs) No, it's a scientist. Batman's a scientist. Uh, Who knows it's Batman? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's our conversation with Alex. Hopefully things are going well for him in Detroit. Uh, and um, and our listener feedback. My wife has a question for everybody. Uh, but um, originally her question was, if you could have one piece of memorabilia or uh, one you know collectible, what would it be? But then she said, no, no, no. I'm not going to ask that question. I have to modify it. There's a a, a limit to uh you can only spend up to a thousand dollars because she thought with no limit we would all just pick the batmobile and <laughs> she's probably right um so what was that and before you answer i just wanted to say tim i think you made a mistake last podcast because when you uh alex's email which would you rather have the the lightsaber prop from um Luke in a, or, um, Star Wars or a cow from one of the Batman movies. I think you got to go with the Batman cow. At least I would. Just because... <laughs> well, here's why. Here's my reasoning. The Batman cow isn't a prop. It, it is the real cow. I mean, you can really like put that on and get the cape, and you could use it for what it really is. I think if I had the lightsaber... I would just be so disappointed that when I turned it on, nothing happened. Like that on-off button just does nothing. I, it just sits there, and it's just a piece of plastic and metal that, you know, I, I think that would just so disappoint me. But um, What if maybe... I look terrible in a cow? <laughs> I don't have that anything based on Batman. <laughs> but it would be Batman's cowl. <laughs> yeah. doesn't matter. It's still... The, the, the chicks would love it. Um so uh, I'll throw that out to you guys. What 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 what, what collectible would you get if you could? <laughs> Can I go with a lightsaber again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a tough with, one. Yeah. yeah. Without knowing how much it is, what'd you say the dollar limit was? Thousand dollars. A thousand, but basically just so we don't all pick the Batmobile. So. <laughs> <laughs> If there was a way, reasonably, and I could talk my wife into it, I'd like to have a, a Batarang from um, the Michael Keaton uh, first Batman movie. Not the cheap one that came with the Arkham Asylum Collector's Edition. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, like, if, if you're able to get a hold of a movie prop and it didn't cost me having to sell my house to get it, you know, I could find it on eBay for, you know, $400, and I got it for my tax return, I think that'd be cool to you know, have displayed on my wall. Yeah, that would be pretty awesome. I guess I would want a, I don't know what costume or whatever, just one, like, full costume display. It could be, like, the Batman costume from 89 or Stormtrooper costume, Darth Vader costume, just one full life-size costume to have displayed out, like, in the hallway or something (laughs) or in my bedroom somewhere. That'd be cool. Yeah. This is no joke, um, but 
if I had to pick one thing, it would probably be George Clooney's mask from um, <laughs> Batman and Robin. Not not the regular one, the the silver one. Oh, the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> You know, they just donated that to the Smithsonian, and somebody was like, why would you want that? It's from a horrible movie. And I still say, it's still Batman's cow. I'll take it if the Smithsonian doesn't want it. Yeah. I, did, I always said that. Warner Brothers just wanted to get rid of it. <laughs> I would just take the nameplate off of it and go, oh, this came from a Batman movie. Which one? It's a, it's a Batman movie. Don't worry about it. <laughs> what about you, Terrence? <laughs> yeah, I'd probably want... The oldest Silver Age, I guess because the Golden Age stuff is way over a thousand, but probably the oldest, best condition comic I could get for a thousand bucks and, and display it somehow on my wall and just be like, yep, pay a thousand dollars for that. <laughs> Might be able to have like a few of the Marvel characters' first appearance. Yeah, or, you know, some of the old detective comics had really cool covers that, you know, maybe Joker's Five Way Revenge. I don't know if you could get, I mean, I don't think you could get a mint, um, Edition, but you could probably get like a, a fine or a very good maybe for that. So, or yeah, probably for a thousand bucks, I could probably get like Burt Ward to come to my house and hang out with me for the. <laughs> <laughs> get hang out with Robin for that afternoon. That might be cool too. <laughs> could probably talk him down cheaper too. I know. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so, so we can get into some comic books finally, Tim. After all, all that on and on talk that you've been going on and stuff? Well, there's a reason for that. Why? It's because What's uh, your reason? I haven't read the comics for the last two weeks, so <laughs> I wanted no. something to talk about, so <laughs> that's why I did that. So so you're not just trying to sound smart like the people that say what they're drinking <laughs> at the beginning of every podcast? <laughs> no, because when do I ever sound smart? Except when I'm talking bad <laughs> in the enemies. So. <laughs> You're smart, Tim, right? If you, if you say so. <laughs> did you get good grades in school, or did you get bad grades? Uh, I got good grades. Like A's or, or like A's, A's and B's. C's? A's and B's. Oh, no, that's good. At least you weren't like an F average. No. <laughs> well, weren't you homeschooled? So the, the program or the school that we went to, you still got graded. Because like every week oh, okay. you have to go to like an actual school, like take tests for what you did that week, and then at the end of the semester you still get graded. Okay, I was going to say, if it's your mom and dad giving you the grade, <laughs> I hope they <laughs> fail you. Yeah. If that was well, the case, I'd say straight A's all the time. <laughs> well, okay, we'll give you a C. It probably should have been an F, but we'll give you a C. Uh, we should say, as we always say on this podcast, that there's a lot of spoilerish stuff in this section. Spoilerish meaning spoilers. Spoilery. Um, so, if you haven't read your comics and you don't want to be spoiled, or if you're going to get mad at us for spoiling it for you, like like we spoiled Man of Steel for Alex, then, um, <laughs> then you might want to come back to this section later after you read all your comics for the past two weeks. And uh, for, this, for this episode, we're covering the weeks of June 19th and June 26th. For June 19th, we got... Batman and Batgirl, number 21, or pretty much Batman and Robin, number 21. Um, and for June 26th, we have Batman the Dark Knight, number 21, and the much-anticipated, right, Tim? Weren't you waiting yes. for this? Yes, I was. Batman Superman, number one. And I actually still so, am waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, being the guest of honor, 
Um, where do you want to start us off then? Well, let's uh, start at the top, and we'll do uh, Batman and Batgirl, number 21. Uh, I I liked this. Um, I kind of wished uh, Patrick Gleason was on for this whole entire arc. Um, it I didn't mind the artist changing, and I know that you know the artists need a break too. But I wish when it was a an overarching whole arc that at least they would keep the main arc consistent. Um, I was kind of glad the uh, Carrie Kelly stuff took a backseat, as in the first two previous uh, issues. We had, you know, half the book, or when it was the Red Robin book, it was almost three-quarters of the book was all Carrie Kelly. But uh, this one more focuses on um, Batgirl and her reaction with Batman and how this is the third stage of grief and this is the bargaining stage of grief. And, uh, you know, having Batman um, still in his, you know, woe-is-me depressive state and uh, kind of beating a thug and get his hands on and also having Batgirl dealing with her um, coming out of uh, the James Gordon Jr. incident and things that she'd like to say to her father, yada, yada, all that uh, stuff. I, I did like it. I liked that there was a little bit more substance in this than the first two um, issues of this arc with the Red Robin and Red Hood. Um, I do did like it at the end of the book, which I think there's a little continuity issue there with uh, Batgirl standing next to the Jason Todd costume in the vault room, which I don't know if the artist was supposed to have drawn the Damien costume, but she ends up, you know, smashing the uh, glass to kind of jar Bruce and said, if that's what you need, if you need a Robin, you know, I don't even know if I'm worthy to be Batgirl at this point, but if you want me to be Robin, I'll be Robin. And uh, basically just yells at her and tells her to get out. But I, I, I did like this more than uh, the first two issues of this arc. I finally at least felt like it's it wasn't so mind-numbing. Bruce just going around beating the tar out of everybody. That he's starting to his like his conscious is starting to come back and still the Batman that we used to know before Damien, at least in little chunks. So that's that was my take. I don't know what the rest of you guys felt about that. Yeah, no, I I agreed with that totally. Did did you notice the uh, uh, the costume change. Did you pick up that that was Jason's costume as opposed to Damien's? Yeah, I, I thought it was supposed to be Jason's. Um, so um, I don't know if that was just where she was supposed to be, where she was standing, and she just arbitrarily broke a, a uniform case that just happened to have Jason's costume in it. Yeah, I, I was a little... Uh, a little muddled about that. I wasn't really 100% sure. I just thought it was Jason's from before, and I thought Bruce had said in one of the issues that he leaves it up to remind him, even though Jason came back to life. But, um, yeah, I'm not really sure if that was supposed to be Damien's and just drawn as Jason's or what. Yeah, I thought it was good. But I, I, I don't know if we we're <laughs> doing the uh, ratings yet, but uh, I think I would give this uh, three and a half... Uh, pieces of George Clooney Batman and Robin memorabilia that Dane is trying to eagerly get a hold of. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I forgot to say that that's our rating scale. Uh, yeah, so that's our rating scale. Pieces of George Clooney memorabilia from the movie Batman and Robin, uh, 1999, right? 1999? 97. My bad. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot that. 
See, uh, you can't start collecting stuff till you know the year. Which <laughs> <laughs> just means we're that much closer to a 20th anniversary edition. Of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that Dane would like to own. So that's our rating scale, everybody. Uh, Terrence, what did you think about uh, Batgirl number 21? Or, sorry, not Batgirl number 21. Man, I'm dropping the ball on this one. You see, you add one more person to this podcast, and this <laughs> podcast is completely screwed up. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but uh, what did you think about Batman and Batgirl number 21? Yeah, you know, this I thought was pretty good. When I first saw the cover and saw that Gleason was not the artist, I was kind of disappointed. Uh, but but the this art team it says Mark Irwin and Mario um, Aquinza I believe uh, were were pretty good they were they were kind of a little different style of Gleason kind of more of a traditional comic book uh, their Batman was okay it wasn't bad it was okay their Batgirl was really good I thought they drew Batgirl really well um, and the issue felt a little bit like filler you know the, this whole run is kind of almost feels like filler a little bit, like just waiting till Damien comes back alive in Batman and Robin number 13. Um, so we'll see. But, you know, overall it was pretty decent and not too, too much major happened. Uh, there's a, a lot of Batgirl with her father. I think that about two pages, uh, but there, um, was it one, two, three, four, five, six, twelve, twenty-four panels in those two pages. So there's kind of a lot. And I, I kind of thought that was almost an advertisement for Batgirl's title. Like people who aren't reading Batgirl will say, oh, let me pick that up and find out what's going on here with this tension with her father. Um, but, um, you know, overall, I would give this I'd pr- probably the same three and a half um, pieces of George Clooney memorabilia uh, from Batman and Robin that Dane would like to own, which hopefully does not include the cod piece. Which um, we all know that <laughs> there was that controversy about the cod pieces with Robin and Batman and all that stuff. So, um, uh, and um, that Dane would really like to own and display in his house and show off to all his friends. Definitely. the The next thing on my list is the nipples. <laughs> yeah. Not, uh, not the chest piece, just the nipple parts. Yeah. That's my next. Do you, do you uh, want the the first set of nipples that were created or the final product? Uh, actually, I'd like to own all of them because <laughs> I want to see the creative process behind those nipples because they've stirred up so much controversy and they they were just a terrible, stupid idea by um a terrible director. Plus, would be great. Four different suits too. So you got the two Batman Forever ones and the two Batman and Robin suits. Yeah, and since you live in Hawaii, you could like wear them to the beach. Just walk around the beach with <laughs> George Clooney, baby. <laughs> oh God, could you imagine? Oh. It's like it's like a bikini for guys, you know. I mean, it's, it's, cover up the important stuff, but you need a tease, right? So, <laughs> I just need to bust out the uh, Speedo and <laughs> reset. Um, but, uh, Terrence, where, where would you like to take this? Batman the Dark Knight number 21 or Batman Superman number 1? Um, how about Batman the Dark Knight number 21? Um, this issue wrapped up the Mad Hatter um, storyline, which was a little um, 
discombobulated. Oh, wait, Terrence, Terrence. Yes. I'm going to step away from my computer for this because I don't want to be spoiled. Okay. Uh, but just, uh, Tim, just send me a thing. No, I am when he's okay. done. I'll get spoiled. It's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, Batman, uh, The Dark Knight, number 21. This wrapped up the whole Mad Hatter storyline. Um, and it was a little discombobulated because the artists kept changing, but now, um, they're back to the artists who started it, Ethan Van Skyver. And, uh, you know, his Batman looked awesome in this issue. It, it reminded me a lot of, um, the killing joke in the way Brian Boland, um, draws Batman. And he has, you know, listed as him as one of his, um, inspirations as an artist. So I, I really like the artwork. You know, the story was really not too much of a story. It just kind of wrapped everything up. It was, you know, Batman finds Natalia and finds her body and um, goes after the Mad Hatter, which um, Alfred, who he does call Penny One in this. Right? I remember last podcast we were trying to figure out, does he call him Penny One in any other books other than Detective? And he did call him Penny One in this book. Um, find Mad Hatter's uh, headquarters and Batman basically just goes in and busts it up and beats the crap out of the Mad Hatter, which um, was a little anticlimactic just because, you know, this big six foot two muscle bound Batman beating the crap out of like some guy who's like four foot nothing, you know, is just a little one sided. Uh, and then Batman kind of leaves him in the um, the lake uh, all beat up and unconscious and, and basically drowns him there to die. And Alfred kind of reminds him that that's not who Batman is. And he kind of turns around and saves them. So after all the talk last week about Zod's neck being snapped and Superman killing Zod, it was kind of good to see Batman, you know, not kill a guy, just beat him to death, but not all the way. Um, and so I was kind of happy to see the Mad Hatter storyline wrapped up. It started great. The origin stuff in the first couple issues were great, but it just went a little too long. Uh, like I said in the other podcast, it felt like they were stretching it out a bit to, uh, fill up a graphic novel, you know, or trade paperback. Um, so overall, um, I'm going to give this, uh, as a final issue, I'm going to give it three and a half um, out of five things or, or pieces of memorabilia that Dane wishes he could own from uh, George Clooney's run as Batman, including some boots that, you know, snap into ice skates that, you know, you never know when Mr. Freeze is going to freeze up the museum. It's <laughs> almost... As good as the nipples. Yeah. <laughs> and did you, either of you guys read that one or? No, this this wasn't a book I I had. Okay. And Tim, I hope that didn't spoil too much for you, but you could probably figure most of the story out beforehand. Yeah, you could probably get an idea how it was all leading up to, but just I'm curious to find out how would you rate the whole uh, the story as a whole, I guess, for the Mad Hatter. I know you said it started off great, which I agree with, and then the last issue was kind of the weakest one, but now that it's all over, I guess what would you give the whole story arc? Uh, you know, if I broke it down, I would say the origin of the Mad Hatter is a five out of five. That was a slam dunk. That was awesome. The story in general, probably a three out of five. It, it was a little too much killing and a little too much uh, drawn out of, him trying to recreate this special day, especially when he saw Alice already and she was this wash-up old fat hag, you know, and he kills her with the iron. And it's kind of like, well, why are you still trying to recreate this? It um, it just seemed a little weird. And then um, the artwork, the change in art team 
kind of I didn't, I didn't like that mid story. Um, even though I did like both artists, I, I didn't like the change in one story arc. So um, it, it might have been even better if they could have coordinated it and had one, you know, artistic team do the flashback origin stuff and the other team do the modern day stuff. But um, so overall, it's been a while since we've seen the Mad Hatter. He's a hard character to kind of write. So I'd probably give it a four out of five overall. Um, what, what about, well, you haven't. Yeah. So far, what would what would you have given it? Uh, for me, yeah, I'd, just based off all the other issues and what the last one being the weakest, I'd probably still give it a four just because I thought they did a great job with the Mad Hatter's origin story. I thought it was great. But one thing I've always noticed with Greg Hurwitz so far, this, his ending, his last issue of a story arc, this to me is always the weakest part of his uh, story that he's trying to tell. It was the same with Penguin. The last issue of the Scarecrow one to me wasn't that great. So when I eventually get this Mad Hatter issue, I'll find out for this one. But from what you're saying, it sounds like it's kind of the same thing where it didn't end as good as it started. But Yeah, now that, now that you say it, it is a little bit like the Penguin Pride and Prejudice story where, like, the fifth issue is just kind of like, all right, wrap it all up. Like, you feel like it's a wrap-up. You don't feel like it's this big, you know, culmination or some something's climaxing or coming to the end. It's just like, all right, wrap it up, get it done. Who's the next villain? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Even though I didn't read this, having listened to the podcast, I this was every time you guys were reviewing this book, I was like, oh man, this sounds like it was really good. I wish I would have picked this up. And this may be even one that I think I may go back and pick these up to just read it. Just from hearing you guys review it every week, made it, it disappointed me that I didn't pick it up. This wasn't on my radar. I kind of dismissed it as like, oh, the Mad Hatter, what, what can they possibly do with that? So um, just based on that, I, to me, it just sounds like it would be very much worth the read. Yeah, I would definitely recommend the first few parts of this. Just for an origin story of the Mad Hatter, it's really good. Yeah, and, you know, some of the, uh, like, our disappointment in it, I think if you sat down and read it as a trade paperback or – if they do like a 99 cent sale and get them all digital, when you read one after another, sometimes that stuff isn't as you know glaring as when you wait a whole month for it and then you get it and then you read it. So um, I think that this actually might read better as a trade paperback. Cool. All right. Do you want to get Dane back or do you want to just go on? Yeah. Oh, you're here. All right. We're ready for Batman Superman. Yeah. T- Terrence, why don't you take the lead on this one? All right, and so um, Batman Superman number one. Uh, I've been looking forward to this issue for a while, um, and I love that it's Batman Superman, not Superman Batman. Or um, it'd be cool <laughs> if it was world's finest, but somehow Power Girl and Huntress are the world's finest now. But that's okay. Um, and uh, you know, this issue is a, a kind of a hard one to rate. The artwork I really enjoyed. I, I kind of knew what I was in for because I've been looking at uh, Lee's artwork in the Before Watchmen. Um, Ozzy Mendias, uh issues, and I really liked his artwork. Um, it's kind of um, it's kind of a weird mix of like really fine like facial features and and bodies, but then kind of a very smooth, soft, um, almost a blur background. Um, and you know, it kind of starts off where I, and I, I was under the impression that this you know book was taking place five years in the past, um, or at least at some point in the past. But um, when it starts off, um, it seems like Bruce and Clark do not know each other. And Bruce is just kind of like chilling out on a park bench. And he's wearing the army jacket from uh, 
year one, which I was like, oh, that's awesome. And Clark is in Gotham City as a reporter, and they don't know each other, but but um, Clark figures out that it's um, Bruce uh, right away, and Bruce is like, how did this guy make me? Uh, and there's some kids having a fight, and Clark tries to break it up, even though Bruce was watching it, kind of like thinking like, well, this kid's got to beat up these bullies. Uh, so it's kind of a cool interplay of the two as Bruce and Clark before any Superman, Batman stuff. Um, and Clark's in Gotham um, re, uh, doing a, a news article on some Gotham um, Wayne Tech employees. Uh, actually, they might have been Metropolis Wayne Tech employees who were who had been murdered, and they have kind of claw face claw marks on their face. Uh, and then it turns out um, it's Catwoman, and it looks like Catwoman is murdering these people, but she's possessed by somebody or something. I'm not really sure uh, who and what that is. Uh, and then it seems like, and this is where it got really muddled and kind of hard. It seemed like it, they possessed Superman, but then it, it kind of flashed to Kansas, and, and Bruce knew who it was Superman, and it was kind of uh, kind of really hard to explain. Um, and so I'm, I'm really uh, hoping for issue two, and I don't know if there's like a parallel universe going. It almost seemed like pre-52 and new 52. Um, I don't know if there's hallucinations. I'm not really sure what exactly is going on, but it's definitely got me intrigued, and it's definitely got me wanting to read issue number two. So um, I'm going to give this four out of five um, pieces of George Clooney, Batman and Robin memorabilia that Dane wishes he could own, including a paper plate that George Clooney ate his tuna fish sandwich <laughs> one time on um, right before he shot a scene with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even speak. That's too funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm glad I wasn't the only one that had uh, troubles. The wrong word. Uh, in loss isn't the right word. I was pleasantly lost trying to figure out when this is taking place. Um, at one point, Batman ends up saying to Superman, "Why are you wearing blue jeans?" Almost as if like, "Well, this isn't your normal suit." And then uh, Superman ends up saying, "Sign." kind of the same thing to Batman. You know, like your your outfit's different. So like you said, Terrence, it's almost like we're floating in between all types of universes, old fifty two, new fifty two, you know whatever whatever you want to say, but there were some really cool uh moments uh in this book that when that kid is getting beat up and uh Bruce just kinda, you know, chilling there on the park bench watching uh, these three or four bullies beat up this kid and Clark intervenes and Clark's like, well, you know, weren't you going to do anything? And uh, Bruce kind of dismisses it and says, oh, by the way, by you interfering, this kid's probably going to get the crap kicked out of himself even worse tomorrow that, you know, Bruce was just kind of sitting there going, if we let this play long enough, you don't intervene. Maybe this kid will fight back and the bullies will respect him. But now that somebody's come in, uh, maybe this kid won't be able to stand up for himself. So I, I kind of liked that. And the other thing that I thought was really cool in this issue was that Clark and Bruce are having almost the same inner monologue with each other. Um, at, at one point, uh, Bruce says, I know this guy could, you know, crack my ribs and uh, punch me through a wall. And then you know, on Superman's page, it says, I better be careful. I could snap this guy's ribs and, uh, punch him through a wall if I don't watch myself. So I liked that 
that they're getting to kind of know each other and they're having the same thoughts, but that's not being communicated verbally, if that makes sense. So um, it, as kind of all over as this book was, it, I'm very intrigued by this and knowing, like, I don't want to wait another month. I want to see where issue two was. And this was a last-second pickup for me today. Originally, I thought, I don't need another Batman book. I've already, you know, I'm on Superman Unchained, and I'm going to be adding another Batman book. And I kind of hem-hawed about it, and the guy at the comic book store said, well, was there something you were looking for? And this book wasn't on the shelf. And I said, well... I said, I'm, I'm kind of glad that Batman and Superman isn't here. I would have to talk myself into buying it. And he pulls from behind the counter and goes, well, I got one here. And he gave me the uh, blank sketch uh, cover. And uh, so I was like, okay, why not? And I'm glad. And I, as soon as I read it, I called the comic book store and I said, can you put me down for this on my poll list that I, I enjoyed it that much? So I'm, too, going to give this uh, four pieces of George Clooney uh, Batman and Robin memorabilia, including the deactivation codes to the Redbird. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you guys forgot the most best thing from Batman and Robin, the Bat card. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never leave the cave without it. <laughs> is that a is that a money belt, Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> How about the wax lips? Those are good too. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> or uh, Bane's monkey suit. <laughs> yeah. Monkey. <laughs> That'd be even better to walk around the beach with as the nipples walking. <laughs> See right there. You said that there was a gorilla in a Batman uh, yeah, comic. There which you turns go. out it was in Batman and Robin. That's probably what you were thinking of. Yeah. How can I forget that? <laughs> What was sad is my brother went to see that. I guess he must have been like 18 or so, and he came out of it. He didn't. He doesn't read the comics or anything like that. And he came back. He's like, "Oh, the Bane was awesome. It was hilarious. <laughs> I thought it was just this campy joke." And he's like, "That Bane guy was so funny. It was the best part of the movie." And I'm like, "No, that's not Bane. This is Bane, <laughs> you know." So thank goodness for the Dark Knight Rises. So at least there's uh, one other, <laughs> yeah, Bane. I, I remember being in the theater on, uh, you know, opening night and like, oh, this is going to be so cool. And my cousin and I were familiar with, you know, the uh, nightfall and all that stuff. And first time Bane makes an appearance, my cousin out loud goes, what the hell? <laughs> and he's like, oh, crap, we're not alone. <laughs> you know, he's just he's so mad. He's like, this isn't Bane. Every time Bane was on the screen, he would just kind of make some noise like, Ugh. Like, shut up, shut up, you're going to get kicked out of here. That's funny, Terrence. I never thought those words would ever go together. Bane was the best part of Batman and Robin. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I guess if you're 17, 18, going to see it, and, you know, I think it's all a joke. But, uh, yeah, that that was might be one of the worst movie-going experiences to just sit there and be like, oh, no, this is is bad. I the part for me where I just realized, like, because I, I kept being hopeful, even though I saw, like, Entertainment Tonight, they had that, like, the hockey team from hell or whatever, and I'm just like, no, maybe it'll be good. Maybe. I kept thinking, maybe it'll be good. Maybe. But when uh, um, uh, Mr. Freeze has his whole gang start singing to the cartoon and they're all freezing, that's where I'm just like, no, this is this is bad. I Like, that, that was the moment of clarity where I realized, like, <laughs> oh, no, this is this is bad. 
Isn't that like only ten minutes into the movie too, or something? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of soon. <laughs> I, I was a little bit more forgiving. I'm like, oh, okay, well, we, we could. Hit. It's a little campiness, but once uh, Barbara, I'm about to say Pennyworth, <laughs> yeah. entered entered the screen, I was like, no, that's it. <laughs> Wrong. Yeah. I just started eating my popcorn very loudly. <laughs> Well, that's a great way to end the comic review section on a Batman and Robin. <laughs> Actually, I can tell you that, well, this might get him in trouble with his girlfriend, but the number one thing Dane would want from George Clooney was his girlfriend, Elle McPherson, in the movie. That, that'd be a pretty good take home. There you go. All right, so I guess that's it, and uh, we can say goodbye now. This is the saddest part of the, the podcast because we're, we're saying goodbye to the good people. Right, Tim. Yes, and goodbyes are always tough. Date is yes. always tough. Well, well, I shouldn't say goodbye because there's there's no no goodbyes. So uh, I will say until we meet again. As cheesy as that sounds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but while we're off, and uh, while you're waiting for the for the next um, the next episode, and by by you and your, I mean Alex and Richie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you, you know, may have the occasional people like me that maybe are too afraid to write in, so there could be another Rob out there somewhere. Oh yeah, other Rob, <laughs> other Rob, other <laughs> Robs. <laughs> me no like podcasts. He writes many email. <laughs> Bizarro Rob, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, I was wondering recently, like, is there a Bizarro Bizarro? <laughs> like a regular Bizarro. I think that'd be the uh, nuclear man from Superman Four. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Well, if there's one way to end the end the podcast, it's talking about terrible movies. So, um, you know, if you miss us, you can always go to the BatmanUniverse.net. Or you can visit you you can visit and join their Facebook group, um, and that's at facebook.com slash Batman Universe. And you can follow follow them on Twitter, and um, the Twitter handle is at Batman Universe. And you can find all of the all of the Batman Universe podcasts on. I was about to say Twitter um, <laughs> on iTunes, and you can rate and review all of them. And if you put um, Dane or Tim or Terrence or even Rob told me fr- from the Bat the Bat Fans Without Pants podcast told me to write this. It'll make us look sexier, and you know, in the end, life is about looking sexier. You know, you, you wear a bikini to look sexy. You wear a speedo to look sexy. You wear a V-neck dress to to look sexy. And George Clooney's Batman costume. Yes, <laughs> and George <laughs> with nipples. Yeah. <laughs> So, this is our way of looking sexy via the internet. Um, and Dustin is on all of them. He, he's on every single one, every single podcast. It, it, it's like physically impossible for one person to be on every single podcast on the Batman universe except for this one. You know, it, it's it's just impossible. I don't know how he does it. I mean, he he must he must have a twin or something is my best estimation, because there's no way he can do the .5 uh, comic cast and the, the the Batman Universe podcast and the comic cast. 
and all the specials and commentaries and stuff like that. So, I mean, the guy's a Jedi Master, to put it in short. And, you know, Dustin, if you're listening to this, I, 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 I don't... I didn't mean to steal Rob away from you. I know he's cheating <laughs> on you right now, but, you know... Thanks, I just got fired. These things happen. <laughs> yeah. These things happen. I'm sorry. Sorry. Just blame Terrence. Just blame Terrence, please. Because I don't want to get fired. Um, but he's on, on all of them. You can rate and review all of the Batman Universe podcasts, including this one. And you can leave comments and stuff like that on the on the website. Um, on the website's post. Um, and, and if you... I don't know why we read this last part, because nobody ever emails us, except for Rob and Alex. So... <laughs> so, I'm not going to read it. <laughs> so, if you're really if you're really curious about uh, what it's like to be a human being, and what it's like to be, be emotional about feelings and stuff, then you, you can email badfans27 at gmail.com. Also, if you have Batman questions, because we're a Bat- Batman podcast, even though we talk about baseball and Star Wars and John Crock all the time. <laughs> uh, but you can email us, and we'd like that. And you can also follow Tim on Twitter, and Tim's uh, Twitter handle is at TimG311, and uh, Terrence's Terrence's is Terrence the plural for Terrence? No, I believe it's not. so. No. Terrence is. Terrence is, because that sounds wrong. But anyways. <laughs> it's not the, pl- the possessive, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Terrence's eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Terrence's uh, Twitter handle is I- at IOD1974. And Rob's Twitter handle is at Drummer Rob. Drummer, Drummer Rob. That's, that's, like, that's really hard to say. <laughs> drummer Rob, like like a drummer, he plays drums. So Drummer Rob, ten, um, and you can follow all of them. So you, you guys better put out some good tweets because if you guys don't, then these people will follow you and they'll be sadly disappointed. But um, this is where we say we'll see you next time. But don't cry because we'll be back here in two weeks. We'll be back here and doing this again, uh, as always, as we always do. Every two weeks, consistently. So don't cry. We'll be back here. And we love you. Everybody loves you. Just remember that. Everybody loves you. Tim loves you, right, Tim? I got nothing but love to give. (laughs) 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 All right. That's good enough. Um, But, Rob, if you ever want to appear on this podcast again, you need to tell me right now. If you had a a theme song that would play every time you entered a room, what song would that be? <laughs> I just heard it on another podcast. It's a 1960s song called Robin the Boy Wonder. <laughs> Robin the Boy Wonder. Really cheesy. <laughs> Look it up. It's absolutely hilarious. That would be my theme song. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely have to hear that. <laughs> or, or my standby would be Duel of Fates. Wow. Excellent choice. <laughs> yes. Because Tim doesn't like Duel of Fates, he likes the Imperial March over the Duel of Fates. That doesn't Fates. mean I don't like Duel of Fates, it's not like the Imperial March. No, better. no, it, it means you don't like Duel of Fates. <laughs> uh, Duel of Fates just... Oh, yeah. Duel of Fates just still sends uh, chills up my spine when I hear it. Not that the Imperial March doesn't, but just that choir, I think, just brings that to a higher level. Yes, it does. So, 
Bye, everybody. We'll see you next time. Don't cry. Just remember, don't cry. We love you. We love you very much. Except, except if you're a girl. Yeah. But, but like, uh, a guy sort of way. <laughs> like, you love your... No, <laughs> 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 never mind. Just bye, everybody. <laughs> That's, like, the outro that you didn't want to hit. <laughs> yeah. Just keep going on.